Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The second reading is also from John's Gospel. It's John 16, verses 5 to 11. Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned.
The second reading, if you're not sure, was um, from the prayers and the, uh, the prayer time on the Mount of Olives just before Jesus was taken away by the soldiers. <clears throat> well, we're well into Lent now. So how are our Lent, well, Lent giver-upperers getting on? How are we doing? Anybody like to share? Anybody who's given anything up? Yes? Not a great thing to give up, but we've given up crisps. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. For the year it was drink, which was a lot more difficult. (laughs) (laughs) But crisps this year, so we've not... And it's going... Yeah, it's going well. Going well. Good, good, good. Anybody else given anything up and want to share? Yes, Derek? Ah, right, yes. And it's going okay? Yeah, yeah. You feeling really healthy on it? Ah, right, there we are. So I've never really sort of given much away, uh, given up much at, at Lent. I don't know, that's sort of going to come out in the, in the talk a bit later on. But Lent was um, known as springtime. Lent was a time when people sort of prepared for, for Easter. The early Christians, it was a time of uh, preparing people for, for baptism. And um, they would be baptised at Easter time. So that Lent was the time that they spent in the preparation for that. And I suppose that still can t- carries on with some denominations now with the preparations for First Communion, preparations for confirmation that go on in, in other churches and uh, because that tends to happen sort of shortly after Easter if not around Easter time. So our Holy Spring or Lent was a time of preparation. And for many Christians it is a deeply deeply spiritual time and um, really up till now it's I've not been one of those people um, I've never really sort of got into the Lent giving up, never really did it as a child and, and never really sort of got into it as an adult either. I don't know why, it just didn't really sort of speak to me. I mean, I've read the passages about, uh, you know, the wilderness and, and, and Jesus and, and the fasting and everything, but somehow, we, as with, with other parts of my, my Christian life, it just hasn't really connected. Um, I've just been wondering whether part of it is, um, is the fact that I actually gave my life to Christ at Easter. I've probably told you this before. You might be getting bored with the story, some of you. But it was in 1977 when I was on a, a youth away week, sort of supposedly a bit like spring harvest, and I went away with Grappen Hall Independent Methodist Church. And that's when I gave my life to Christ. So in a sense, Easter's been a, a celebration time for me because of that because I see it as the anniversary of me getting to know Christ, and I feel really pleased about that fact. And I suppose maybe I've allowed that to to get in the way of my soul-searching at Easter, because I've got that sort of celebration head-on instead. Um, I don't know how many others of you are like that, that you've, you've never really had that spiritual experience around Easter. Yes, yes, Easter's a special time uh, as a Christian, but have you actually really, deep down inside, had a real connection with God at Easter? 
Another thing, I suppose, another thing about me, I just don't do violence. Well, it's a bit of a lie. I mean, I don't mind if it's Stevie Gerrard or if it's Jamie Carragher or John Terry or Frank Lampard or Carlos Tevez. Uh, any of them can have the leg... No, no, I shouldn't say that, actually, I don't. But, um, you know, I, I don't sort of... Uh, I'm, I'm there with the others when I'm going, way when the good tackle's gone in. But other than that, I don't really do, do violence. And I can't even watch it. I can't even watch wildlife programmes on the telly. I just can't. I know it's, it's the natural order of things. It's the way God designed it, that they have to eat. But I can't watch the little zebra or the, the, the little weak gnu at the back of the pack getting savaged and ripped apart. It just, I just can't do it, anything like that. Uh, I can't even squash a spider or even a fly. I, I have to get a fly out the window. I can't even kill a fly. I just, it's just something about God's creatures. And I suppose that's why I do go through phases in my life when I toy with being a vegetarian, because I, I just, I just the, the abattoir is one side of me, and I just completely divorce it in my head from what's on my plate. I just can't bear to think about it. And I suppose, in a sense, that's been another block that I've had to Easter. I don't know how many of you here have seen The Passion of the Christ, probably a few of you. But I've been invited a few times. In fact, the first time I was invited was CC and Adam at Spring Harvest a few years ago, and it was showing at the cinema there. And it, it was the year it had come out. And Adam and CC said, are you going to come along with us this afternoon, watch The Passion of the Christ? And at first I said yes. And then I changed my mind. I just couldn't face it. And even to this day, I've prayed and prayed and prayed because I would like to watch it. But I still haven't managed to walk through a cinema or walk into somewhere that it's being shown because I know I'm going to see violence to Jesus and, and I, just, I just can't cope with that fact at all. I suppose what I'm saying is that, to me, Easter, in many respects, is still a very chocolatey, fluffy bunny time. And... Um, and, I'm, and in some ways, I still see, I still put a lot of emphasis on, on that side of things and, and having a good time, for, and it's for children and, and having a good time. Could you bring the slide up, Colin? Now, I don't know how many of you have been in hospital lately, and one of the things they always come to ask you now is, right, on a scale of one to ten... How much pain are you feeling at this moment in time where one is very little pain at all and ten is the worst pain in your life? I don't know whether they ask you that in labour now, because I know I'd be thinking if they did. But whenever you go into hospital now, they're always asking you this question. So I suppose if I was sort of looking at this on a scale of one to ten, how much fluffy bunniness am I feeling this Easter... Actually, I think it would be very different to previous years. I don't know where your scale of fluffy bunniness is at the moment, but... Pardon? <laughs> I don't know where your scale of fluffy bunniness is at the moment, but previous years, I probably would have been up a seven, maybe an eight, looking forward to Easter, looking forward to celebrating that Christ... Was born, Christ rose again and, and celebrating on, on Easter Sunday and, and everything that sort of comes 
with that joy. Thank you, Colin. But this year, this year is, is very different. I've been quite involved at the, the school um, that I'm in with the, the Lent work that the children are doing. Um, I have always tried to, to get involved at the, whatever school um, that I, I work in. Um, at Gorse Covert, um, I became more or less like the undercover RE coordinator, really, with them coming to me at all moments in time and asking me questions and about, particularly about Christian faith. And uh, it's, happen it's happening at, at, uh, at this school as, as well. And uh, they're covering Lent. And I've, I've been actually talking to the children about Lent and, uh, and about my faith. And... Uh, it's got me to really, really, really want to get into the Easter experience. Probably a bit of a twee word to, to, twee word to say there, really, the Easter experience. And I've been praying and praying and praying that I really connect with the meaning of Easter. And... I've been praying this throughout Lent. I really, really want to feel some of, of why it happened, why things happened the way they did, of, of why things went on over that week, and wanting to experience Easter in a different way to before. And uh, that's been my prayer now for weeks and weeks, to get closer to this truth And boy, is it happening in a very mysterious way. I don't know how many of you own a dog. This is a very strange thing to say. Uh, been there with all the other pets. We've had the fish, we've had the budgies, we've had the guinea pigs, we've had everything else. But we've also had dogs, or a dog in particular. A dog is most definitely different. I don't know if you want to argue with me later about that, but to me, a dog is most definitely different. A dog, in many respects, is like taking on a foster child because of that relationship that you have and, and that sort of loyalty and that dependence on you and, and, and the way that they are with you, the way that they look at you and the, way that, the whole way that they fit into, into the family life. Because they go everywhere with you on many occasions when we were taking our dog on holiday numerous times. But on Monday, I had to have my dog put to sleep. I had to make the choice to put my dog to sleep. My 16-year-old dog. And that was so, so hard. So hard, as you can probably imagine. But it had to be my choice. And I was in absolute floods of tears, really, for the rest of the day. I wasn't uh, up to much. And later on that day, one of my daughters came round and she said, I saw these and I just had to buy them for you. And the two little pillows with faith and hope on. And so I've had these cuddled up next to me most of the week. And it was all, almost as if she was handing me a message from God. And I took these and I looked at these and I just saw 
something totally new in the Easter story. And it just led me, the death of Bracken, it just led me to passages. And I've been reading and reading and reading passages out of the Bible all week. And it just touched on me how much God was going through at that time. I was just letting my pet of 16 years go. God was letting his son go. God chose to put his son to death. And I just, I've started to see Easter in a whole new life, in a whole new light, a whole new way. And it's opening up all sorts of emotions that I never ever thought I would experience over Easter. It led me to reading the whole passages of of, of Easter week, everything that went on over that Easter week, the prayers, the time at Gethsemane, and everything that went on before, as you can see with our other reading from John's Gospel, the beginning of John's Gospel. It just led me, I was led to those words, look, I love my son so much that I chose to put him to death so that you could live. Can you understand what I was going through at that time? Can you understand what was going on? I had to do that. So I'll put our scale up again, please, Colin. So on your strength of feeling scale, not your pain scale, where do you feel you are at this Easter? Where are you at with connecting with God in this preparation to Easter? Are you a number one? You're just not really into the Easter vibe at all, which is is not a bad thing. Or are you up there at a number nine or a number ten? Is Easter really strong, a really strong feeling in your heart? Are you really connecting with God this Easter? And are you in a position to to share with others about what the true meaning of Easter was? If you're still not sure about the Easter story and about why things happened and what was, was going on, share it with someone. Talk to someone about it. Because it's, it's, such, it's such an important part of the journey of getting to know Jesus. Don't stay in fluffy bunny land for too long like I have. Really do try and connect with God this Easter. We're such a fortunate church. I think we sort of forget sometimes just how fortunate we are and and, and just what we've got going for us and and, and just and what we can do. There are so many churches where congregations have, have dwindled or in some sense where the, the passion of the relationship with God has, has really uh, 
it's really disappearing. Just so much of it here. We've got so many skills in this room. We've got so much going for us as a congregation. And we can, true, we can do truly wonderful things. And God wants us to do wonderful things in his name. But if we're going to do wonderful things in his name, we've really got to be there with him. We've really got to be feeling him. We've really got to be there with him in our lives. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I just ask you, how full of the Holy Spirit do you feel at this moment in time? Is he up to your knees? Is he up to your tongue? Is he up to here? but not quite getting into the brain? Or do you feel totally, fully immersed in the Holy Spirit? Because that's where we should really be. That's where Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to be totally, fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. And that's why he said in those passages, I've got to go to heaven. I've got to go for the Spirit to come and fill people. That's why I have got to go, because until I go, the Spirit will not come. You need to be filled with the Spirit to be able to to do the things that God wants us to do here in this community. My book now, there it is. It's another book I pinched for my mum's. <laughs> Every now and then I, go, I just sort of go along the bookshelf, she's her bookshelf, and, uh, and borrow <laughs> indefinitely. <clears throat> but I've really enjoyed this one, and I think I've sort of uh, read from it before. But uh, there's something I just want to, to share when I can find my glasses to read. Lord, I want proof. I want to feel the closeness of your breath, the touch of your hand. I want to see you, to hear your voice, listen to you. I want to see your footprints and walk with you down a beach. I want to sing, sit with you one evening and talk about my life. I want to offer you a glass of wine, not Derek. And ask about the meaning of everything. I want my ears to hear you. Tell me about the universe and its purpose. I want to hear your favourite joke and laugh so much at the punchline that we both cry and can hardly breathe. I want to hear about your friends and your time on this earth and how you love them. I want you to show me how to fish. Sit with me in the boat and enjoy my first catch. I want to see you carve something from wood like Joseph taught you to do. And I want to hear about what you did as a child, about the mischief you got into, the games you played, the friends you had, what frightened you, what excited you, what the world was to you through eyes so young and yet perhaps already so old. 
I want to feel you hold me as my tears wet your clothes. I want to know you're there in the darkness, never leaving my side. I want to know you so personally, so deeply, that you become more than just a saviour, but a friend, a companion, someone who understands everything about me, who laughs with me and cries with me, who hopes and yearns and dreams with me. Lord, I don't want proof. I just want you. Amen. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and have faith. I said, I know God's got great plans for for us as a church. He's got plans for me. I know he's got plans for me. I don't know what they are. And that is really bugging me because I keep saying, Lord, Lord, what do you, where are you leading me? What direction are you taking me? I, because I really feel as though he has got plans for me and I feel that's probably why I'm being sort of attacked in so many other ways. And if you're feeling that God's got plans for you too, that's wonderful, that's great. So just pray for God to be there, to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you too have got that wonderful, personal, close relationship with him. And that this Easter is going to be one where you really, really, truly connect. Where it all starts to become clear what the meaning of everything is. And why knowing Jesus is the only way to heaven.